0: Welcome to Material Change, I'm Josh from Sculpture Placement Group. Material Change is a series of conversations and interviews about the relationship between the visual arts and ecology focus focuses on raw materials and processes. In these discussions we talk to artists, designers, organisations and material researchers working in the context of the climate emergency. Sculpture Placement Group is primarily a research organisation. Our projects interrogate the production and purpose of sculpture. Sculpture is inseparable from its materiality. Its meaning is rooted in the materials and the processes involved in making it what it is. So, in this episode, we speak to artist Kate V. Robinson. Robinson works in print, sculpture, and installation with a focus on materials and processes. She selects materials based on their associations. Systems of technology, advertising, and print media are all explored through the materiality of the artworks. Kate is also one of the directors here at Sculpture Placement Group advocating for better practices in the visual arts. So in this episode, we go into detail about what it's like for an artist working on a commission in a public commercial setting, how different stakeholders impact the production process, and how an artist might navigate these commissions. Oh, I mean, a, a good way to start, I guess, is is um, a, a broad one with, like, sort of introducing your, your work, but maybe... Um, yeah, if you'd be happy to start there.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I have a sculptural practice, um, but often, uh, often the sculptures I make are quite flat. Uh, so sometimes they don't look very sculptural. But all of the processes uh, I feel are quite, quite sculptural. So I might make a piece that's designed to be um, walked on on the floor, or something that's kind of. In place of, say, a window or a screen or something like that. So um, I have a sort of play between two and three dimensions. Uh, but over the last few years, I've got quite into using recycled materials or using waste kind of products within the work. And that has led to also a kind of circularity about using all of the leftovers and all of the... Byproducts. So, for example, I've made um, lots of collage pieces over the last few years that involve um, cutting out a certain part, perhaps from a newspaper, but then I'll also use all of the little bits that I've trimmed off. They'll become another piece. So that kind of thing I'm sort of interested in, like, um, just there not being any waste. But often the materials that I use to make the work are um, themselves waste products so recently I've been making a lot of work using discarded or broken uh, devices so mobile phones, laptops, tablets I sort of break them up and use all the pieces in different ways Um, and I guess the piece that started this sort of approach to materials was I made a sort of floor piece that was casts, um, cast kind of cobbles concrete cobbles but they were cast from food packaging like microwave tubs and Chinese takeaway containers that kind of thing so I was collecting lots of those and then um I guess the sort of form of that became the work also the cases themselves were were then discarded but that I, th- I think that was really the sort of start of me considering the kind of bit that you throw away as being a site of interest and the more I used them the more I got into all the variances in the little patterns and that kind of like that overlooked design that goes into that kind of thing Um but also obviously thinking then conceptually about the you know the things that we're leaving behind and imagining that those will be like the pots that we sort of dig up from medieval times or whatever and just I guess thinking about all of that um, and I got quite into thinking about technology and the fact that, you know, it's getting thinner and thinner and it's all the language around the cloud and stuff is all about sort of dematerializing, um and everything's very thin and, you know, um, slick and minimal and that that is a bit, you know, that that's an illusion really of all of the sort of material leftovers that that kind of, stuff produces that's you know it's really easy to ignore and we're it's very convenient that we don't think about that but I guess that's those are the sorts of things I'm interested in Mm. but yeah so it kind of went from a kind of conceptual interest to now it's sort of more of a material thing that I don't really want to throw stuff away or that I want to use the leftovers and that that feels um con more consciously better than using sort of raw materials within the work. But then it can also speak about that on a sort mm. of um, so interpretation you, level as well. That can be what the work is about. Are you, as well are as you sort of what shifting what
0: materials you're thinking about to explore different ideas? So, for example, when you're talking about um, the cobbles that you made from from the containers but now there's um, in the in the studio here, um, can see there's a lot of uh parts of like you're talking about the sort of slickness mobile phones and uh e- ephemera around around that is that something when you are sort of commissioned or have a show coming up what what is there lots of material sort of going on in your life at one time that you're just sort of experimenting with and and sort of shifting through um is that sort of the the approach a bit or
1: approach a bit or? Yeah, so I guess sort of one thing leads to another in a way like the cobbled piece uh, like I said was fairly pivotal in sort of starting me off onto much more thinking about um, sort of environmental issues, I hadn't really been particularly overtly concerned certainly not in the work about that kind of thing um, prior to that but um, to me, that was very related to technology, that piece, because of how it looked. I, I was thinking about the sort of that rounded edge rectangle of a brick or a cobble reminding me of a tablet or a phone. Um, and also when they're sort of laid out next to each other like that, I would think a lot about the sort of keys on a keyboard or something. So if, um, so that sort of led me into looking at the sort of objectness of devices but finding that using I couldn't really use the thing itself because it just spoke too heavily of it so I had to sort of deconstruct them in order to um to focus on the materiality of it I suppose as opposed to the kind of function of it um but you can see on some of the other pieces here in the studio I've got lots of CDs and DVDs that I've been sort of cutting up and making um, kind of mosaics out of that, Um, and eggshells as well. And these would be materials that I've accumulated over a, a long period of time and just felt like. I would use them and I was interested in them, I was drawn to them. Um, The CDs, I really like that kind of rainbow effect that they give and also that's partly my interest in the mobile phones. When you take them apart inside, there's these sort of prismatic screens and they, when the light comes through them, sort of project little rainbow prisms onto... The rest of the space, and I've always sort of just loved that effect. I've been quite fascinated, you know, when you've got a crystal hanging in the window or something. It, it it's always just something that I've really felt quite magical. So I'm drawn to materials for some physical thing that they mm-hmm. do, but also I wouldn't use just anything. It's like it it has to have a sort of conceptual interest. So. CDs, things like that. I've always been really interested in sort of things that are on the brink of obsolescence or right. um, becoming obsolete. So previously, I've used things like newsprint, light bulbs, biro pens, that kind of thing, because I've sort of felt that they were in this moment of on being on their way out. Mm. Um, so. I like the uh, conceptual associations with that and also, I guess, the idea that they might store information or that sort of thing. So it's sort of, it's on the one hand about all of the connotations that it can bring in, but on the other hand, it's something about the property or the aesthetic of the material as well that I'm interested in. Um, I've been collecting polystyrene packaging for ages, um, thinking that the patterns in them could be really interesting if they were sort of cast in concrete. There's a sort of relief mural that I have planned. But I don't like the material itself. The whiteness of it is too much what it is. It kind of has to go through a stage of being removed sometimes. Um, So sometimes I'll collect things that I know won't be in the work themselves, but they're they might lead to another work. But, but often I just collect things in my hoarder. You know, I just keep all stuff, and at some point you might find it into a work. It might be years. This most recent work that you've um, been doing is a way to sort immediate. of like go
0: into even more sort of detail uh, about that. So, you, I don't know everything about about this, so I'll I'll uh, I'll attempt and I will edit out my ignorance as. Uh, <laughs> in post. <laughs> so you were commissioned to do a an artwork for for Michelin. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um and it's for a, f- a factory that they have here in the UK.
1: Yes, it's a site they have in Dundee that used to be their manufacturing factory. It was a big plant that they'd make tyres there until a the couple of years ago. The factory right. has been closed, but Michelin are still invested in the site. It's now called the Michelin Scotland Innovation Park. Right. And it's sort of new um workspace and factory space for sort of green uh, transport solutions i think Mm. like batteries that kind of thing and there's also a bit of a sort of yeah like a incubator type innovation hub for startups that sort of thing so because they're still invested in the site they they wanted to commission a piece that would sort of mark the fact that it used to be a factory or something to to nod towards the legacy of it being a a kind of production site uh, yeah and, for and i mean, it, for the kind of i guess that sort of uh, there, transformation no of um, necessarily
0: have th- that industrial into into this sort of innovation and and using art to sort of explore that is something that in other parts of europe obviously they've done in the beat, and there's a lot of a lot of artworks and you know the landscape itself sort of changed from from what it was into this yeah the 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 sort of artifacts and yeah remnants of, of of the industry sort of remain in a way so you can definitely see how yeah these significant shifts in industry are are impacting these these different sites around the U, the UK and Scotland as well so through your your meetings with them and and how you approach your work what, was what where did you kind of start sort of unpacking what you were going to do
1: Well it was quite a strange commissioning process which actually I really enjoyed um but it wasn't very conventional um because they were closing the factory right during sort of 2020 lockdowns um and I guess their time scale had all been affected by that, so it was all quite um, quite quick, they had to sort of clear the site. Um, but obviously somebody had thought, had this idea that it would be nice to make a sculpture for the site, but they didn't, they had a sort of skeleton staff at that point and they didn't really know what the procedure might be for commissioning an artwork and so their starting point was just to think did they know anyone now I had worked with them a few years ago in 2017 they'd helped out with a show I was doing at Dundee Contemporary Arts where I wanted to make a piece using tyres so I'd approached them being local and well known and they sort of sponsored the exhibition by providing these tyres and cutting them all up in the way I wanted them and delivering them and so forth and they'd been quite engaged in that process they'd come along to the opening they'd been invited to the after party all that kind of thing and they really enjoyed it and they sort of went on to have this kind of sponsorship relationship with the gallery which was nice and um, so I think literally somebody had just said well why don't you ask Kate because she's the only person that we've got we've had any connection with and we'll do you know use that as a starting point so they got in touch with me quite sort of out the blue and just said they were looking for a sculpture to be made a sort of outdoor permanent piece and was that something that I could do and if not could I sort of Give them a steer, um, so it just so happens that is something I am interested in doing, and I I was keen to do more of. So I um, I just said, well, I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to propose something if that's okay. But because they were clearing out the factory, they were in the process of it, and they had to get um, all of the stuff away. They saw the fact that there was an opportunity there that they were throwing out all this material that could quite easily be turned into a sculpture or inform a a process and so they were keen to get me up to the site to have a look at what was there so before there'd been any conversation about what the commission would be what the budget would be what the process would be I was invited just pretty quickly can you come up next week because that's the sort of last point you know so I went up and had this amazing experience of having not left the suburb that I live in for like four months or something, suddenly going all the way up to Dundee, walking around this um, empty sort of ghost town factory. Oh. So, super exciting. Just, I, I've had a tour of that building when it was in full production when I'd worked with them previously, and that was also mind-blowing. And this was quite different, um, but but really interesting. And so I had to really think on my feet by thinking, what, what are the materials, what are the potentials here for... What can be salvaged and how would I use them? So I kind of gave him a f- few rough ideas of how I might approach it there and then, which is obviously quite sort of unorthodox. You would not normally have, you know, bit, go away and think about it and then propose something. But I, I did sort of have a few ways in which, like, that I might typically respond to the sort of materials I saw. um, And then I went home and developed three options for them so I guess they were interested in seeing they didn't really have any idea what that kind of thing would cost so I had to give them a couple of different sort of budget options but also different ways of approaching it so it's not really how an artwork would usually come about for me but um but I one of the key materials that I had identified um for your interest that's a couple of bits there but are these um, aluminium pieces which um, they are put together and they make the sort of mould which gives the tyre its tread. So the tyre is made and it's smooth and then it gets sort of clamped into a circle of these little sections and then um, I think with air pressure it's sort of... uh, pushed against them and it, they get a tread and you the tires have different treads and they mean different things for different terrains and that kind of thing but there was just absolutely piles and piles of these things and when they're broken up into their segments it's quite an interesting kind of zigzag form anyway and when they're together it's interesting because it's the sort of tread pattern but it's kind of halfway to being deconstructed so I was most interested in in that um, as a object but also as a material because they had so much of it and obviously with most metals you can melt the material down and cast from it so um so that was my kind of where I decided to focus um and I had a slightly more complex proposal that was to basically scale one of these elements up and just cast it in aluminium but that's quite a complex um sort of casting process to sort of make a positive that, that was um, a scaled up version um, and that was coming in at quite a high price point um, so that was my sort of favoured proposal but um, they, uh, they were keen on the second proposal which I'd done which was more to create a sort of monolith that had the pattern of the treads in the, in the front of it so it had these two sort of tire tracks kind of going off in an arch and they kind of fade away. Um, and but the rest of it was just a kind of rectangular sort of block. Um, so that the the person who was making the decision that he preferred that one anyway. Um, so that's what they went for. Um, so it was interesting for me because it's not necessarily the sort of form I would have made generally speaking uh, um, but uh, I was like, OK, that's, um, you know, that's what that's what we're going with. But now that it's in production um, it, and I see it, the process we've gone through in making it is very much in keeping with the sort of process I would do. Like, it's very much we're trying to figure it out as we go along. It's We're not approaching it um, in the way that you would traditionally which would be just to go to a foundry have the thing made in a one er but because the team I've chosen to work with and the facilities I've chosen to work with um, partly because they're people I know and trust but also because it's uh, more economic to do so so we can keep it to the budget that we set um, is to sort of assemble a team of really highly skilled people but work on it in a sort of modular way so we split the form into... Um, 16 different pieces and cast all of those individual parts and are now fitting it together. Mm. But it's got this interesting sort of rectangular kind of grids and it's a bit wonky and it's all of the things that my sculpture always is anyway. Right. But e- So even though I haven't, I've been involved in the process but it's not been me making every part because I've had a team of it, those are beyond my skill set to to actually fabricate it myself. But it's it looks like something I've made which is really interesting because my concern from the start was that doesn't look like a sculpture I would make. Um, so I'm enjoying that fact of it, that it's because we're sort of not not really doing it in the way you're meant to do it because it has to be done at, at a certain scale, really. We can't just sort of do it in a one-er because the foundry isn't big enough to do that. And, you know, that's like a very sort of expensive process. So we've sort of broken it down into manageable pieces, which is what I often do. I often work large scale, but it's always... Me figuring out a way to make it modular, or to you know, um, to sort of assemble it in such a way that it it always has a sort of organic, wonky sort of look. But what I um I guess what I like about the materiality of it is that part of this material, the these tread molds are there in it visibly because there's these two tread patterns. So they're sort of represented within the aesthetics, but then they're, they're melted down to, uh, to be, you know, be the cast aluminium piece. Mm. Um, cast aluminium itself is a really interesting material. Um, I've done a few little tiny bits before, but I really like how it looks anyway. So, um, but each surface is very different um, and, uh, and very organic. Um, so I'm really interested in that whereas if you perhaps approached it in a more conventional way you wouldn't have had all of those little eccentricities of the material Um, and I also worked on the form a bit so it was a little bit more organic so I kind of... uh, Whereas when I proposed it it was a sort of straight kind of monolith with straight edges, I sort of decided to make it look more like a piece of road or tarmac or something that had been kind of dug up. So the edges are kind of deliberately rough. um, But also the front and the back surfaces um, have been cast against sand and they have really interesting uneven surfaces which just, I guess, show all the different parts of the process some of it manual there's little marks where a hand or a tool of you know fingerprints that kind of thing but there's also the different textures that's just the material reacting to the surface in different ways Um, so that all is very in keeping with with my aesthetic it's nothing's ever looks perfect and slick it's always got imperfections which tell a bit of the story of its making or the materials history so this piece um, has has all of that in it, and what's great. I was a wee bit concerned that the client wouldn't like that, that they would have wanted something more, you know, pristine and and um, monolithic and smooth. Uh, but they um, they've been very hands off as clients, but they've assured me that they're they're equally interested in all of those that story um and all of those kind of joins and stuff being visible they're they're really receptive to that and they're really interested in the circularity aspect mm-hmm. of it and more so now that we've gone through the process i think at first it was a sort of oh well you might find some of that useful but now it's become inherent in the piece that it's the story of it. Um also we've carried that through onto the plinth. So the plinth is just a concrete sort of base for it to sit in. Um that's going to be made using some of the sand that we used for the molds. So we're trying to right. at all at every point kind of minimize the waste and um keep in that circular um sort of story and approach.
0: Mm. I think that's amazing what what um Especially what you just said at the end there about the concerns about the client um, sort of being on board that uh, on on board with it and and the choices that you made. Interestingly, you know, you would probably expect a a client like that to to maybe not engage conceptually in the same in in that same way, like they they will now like the work because they're on board with the it's conceptual uh, underpinnings you know wh- whereas often or your your expectations or, or perhaps my expectations would be of a client like that that they would want something very literal very uh, abstract to a degree but not too far but it seems with this it's like you know they're, they're really behind the concept of it so therefore the art kind of delivers on on that level for them um, which I think is uh, which is maybe unusual. Is it something that you've experienced before with with any? I, I know that you work at, uh, at different kinds of registers. You you have uh, a gallery practice. You know you, you. Of course, you obviously work at a Sculpture Placement Group as well, which is um, a different type of research. But I mean, your your work your the work that you do is very. Broad across the, the visual arts in terms of where you intervene um, and create. Um, so I guess yeah, what from that broader background is that is it how how can you reflect on the relationship in terms of the um, the client and the artwork in in this situation?
1: Yeah, so I've had fairly limited experience of making permanent commissions but I've had a few now maybe three that have all been very different so it is um I am starting to sort of pull that experience together and understand how um different clients have different needs or different commission commissioning models how that in- sort of um, influences the process of the end result and the different compromises that need to be made because there's always compromises with with a, a commission like that and um, because you have a client you know unlike selling work through a gallery or something the work's already made and if someone wants to buy it or collect it or you know whatever then they can but the work's done so there's no question about that but it is like it is interesting because you have to You have to convince a commissioning panel or a client that you you can do it uh, and then you give them an idea of what you're going to do. But then, of course, the realisation of that can be very different from how they've imagined it or you've got to sort of, at all points, manage the expectations but also deal with any... Other types of compromises, which might be to do with the materiality in terms of something lasting, it might be to do with health and safety in terms of how something's installed, but also, uh, budget, all kinds of things. But then those ones are sort of manageable because you just have to adapt it and everyone agrees along the way. But ultimately how something looks mm-hmm. is kind of up to me, really, and that's where it gets, you know, stressful because you don't know if the thing that they've imagined from what you've presented is the same as the thing that it actually ends up being and for me that's often quite a fraught process because I I do have this aesthetic which is imperfect and I quite enjoy that about it Um, and to me you know that's life nothing you know is perfect and it's also very hard to achieve material perfection and I always sort of joke that I would never get anything done if I was a perfectionist because it's just it's um you have to take a lot of a lot of time and, and care and skill and money to make things look super polished. So it's partly to do with I just don't can't really achieve those things the way I like to work. I could only achieve those things if I absolutely handed it over. And it's not something I've been keen to do. I enjoy the process of making. But it's also I feel wedded to that idea that that's important that that all of the imperfections are part of the work or that you know my work has historically been about dysfunction and fragility and things breaking down and that sort of thing. So it's to me it's very much in keeping with um, both my aesthetic and my interest that you will show something with the flaws and all or with the joins or, um, but you there's. Yeah, there's always that concern that somebody else is looking for something that's just polished and and slick. I mean, I would hope they would never select me, thinking that's what you're going to get, but you never know. <laughs> um, so with this, but with this client, it's been interesting because on the other commissions I've had that have been through either multiple agencies or with a curator or with a a kind of um, panel or or that kind of thing. There's There's been a lot of back and forth about every detail and in a way that gives you some confidence that everyone's moved along on the journey with the work and will be completely uh, on board with it at the end. But this client, I think because it's a private client and because it wasn't sort of approached in that sort of traditional commissioning way where it goes out to tender and all that kind of thing, it was a lot more informal but it's also just how in a commercial setting you, you you pay for something and you expect it, but you don't get too involved in how it comes about. You know, it's been very um, clean cut in those respects. There's been very little input. I've tried to keep the client uh, abreast of any big changes. Like when I decided to roughen up the edges and the shape of it, I, I made sure that that was okayed. I've sent some pictures of it in the making. And... Um, they haven't seen the final thing yet, but I don't think there'll be too many surprises. So it's been it's been very light touch from their side, um, and I find that quite refreshing. And I have just you know hopefully everyone else be e- equally happy with the end result having having not been involved in it. But there's something economical about it, you know, that they've only been involved in as much as they felt they needed to be, and um and that's allowed me quite a great deal of freedom to just. Um, manage the process um, and get it made. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been good, and um, I think this the fact that they're really into the story helps in that. That's their way into it, and that's how they know that they're going to be able to communicate it to its new audience. Um, and I think that's great. You know, whatever it is that people find as their way into the work. Mm. That's you know that's super, so I did another commission recently for a outdoor shelter in a in a park and um, that was a council client, very different process um re- everyone was really happy with the results, but again I introduced this material of the sort of recycled mobile phones. The brief of that project was to make something using sustainable materials, but I think they probably had in mind much more. Obvious things when you think about sustainable materials like wood and natu- things made from natural sources. And I just happened to mention that I've u- often use mobile phones and bits of them and everyone got really excited about that because they could see that to the community of people who are going to use it, which is largely children of primary seven age, that that's something that they would relate to and understand and engage with. And it's also something that you can tell the public and I think you know using the materials as a way to engage people in the process is really useful it's really interesting anything that gives people a way in is better than them not having that way in or just I think that's what often leads to this public backlash against things being placed in their public space is the fact that they don't they don't know how they've come about or they don't know what they're doing there or so often the um the process of in terms of that is to do with engaging people during the process maybe consulting with them that kind of thing which is an effective way to get around that issue but it's also not always practical because you know n- not all artists want to work in an engaged socially engaged way but also sometimes you don't know who that public is or they're hard to reach or you know so I think if there are other ways you can do it through the story of the materials or through um, how something's been made those are just as useful and they can communicate to different audiences this sculpture's got quite an interesting community and it's not really public. It's sort of, and it's an industrial kind of site that's out of town and it's inaccessible and you wouldn't just walk through it. You know, it's it's all going to be a very specific community of people who work in that field. And given that, that Michelin as a, corporation are moving towards green technology I guess it's useful for them to to kind of have that story but for me what's interesting is that some people who are on that site might have might have a relationship with these materials or these forms have you know having understood what what happened there before it's a very specialized knowledge I guess and um, and I that's why I was keen to keep some of the actual tire making process in that work because I thought the public don't know how necessarily how tires are made or won't have any relationship, but they're not going to be they're not going to see it. So it's really a, it is that kind of industry specific community um, that might have a slightly different understanding of of the forms or of the materials. Um,
0: yeah, I think uh, it was really interesting. One of one of the things that um, you were you were saying there about how. Uh, a material itself can allow an audience or a community to, to view a work and ultimately I mean by view I mean sort of like really look at something and really kind of embrace it as a, seeing it as something um, that's just been implanted there and I think that that is really fascinating like using yeah using something that is connected to the place in, in a very sort of r- real material way and 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 to be integrating that into a process of art making um, or into a tra- into a, a transformation of sorts um, into something else uh, is really interesting. And th- that expectation of what is a sustainable material, I think, is really interesting. And I think that has a lot of implications for people who people who work with materials in such a um, expressive and experimental way like artists artists do and um, and fabricators and people working people working in that field you know um so I think that's really yeah that's really uh, that's really interesting
1: yeah, I think the idea of using recycled materials or recycled stuff anyway has this real connotation of being sort of having a certain aesthetic which is either very rough and kind of woody and sort of natural and sort of hippy, or like, you know, made something made from plastic milk containers or, you know, something that still looks like the thing that it was. Um and I think that's off putting for a lot of people. Um those things are not neutral materials. They're associated with um all kinds of different things which you know can be can be barriers and it's also not true either I mean you, people are doing all kinds of innovative things transforming waste products into new materials and um, or just using materials in a less obvious way or um, having having them go through some processes or something that just takes away those kind of immediate associations which aren't necessarily helpful if you're trying to bring a kind of wider audience into the idea of recycling or reuse or um, circular practices that kind of thing I think it's important to sort of try and um, lose some of those uh, strong aesthetics or strong associations Um, but by the same token I think the also if people are really committed to um, achieving net zero or whatever, there are some standards that are going to have to be let let go of in terms of how things look. Maybe a degree of tolerance towards things being rougher or less perfect, in order to um, be able to reuse materials rather than buy new ones. Um, so whether that's to do with sort of museum and exhibition presentations. Or um, theater sets, all that kind of stuff. I think there's we d- we do have a tendency to hang on to conventions and be quite wedded to those. And certainly in the sort of contemporary art field, things, pristine white walls, that kind of thing, are are something that's very much valued. And and I think it would be really interesting if we could collectively let go of that to allow for more flexibility in terms of. Uh, in terms of reuse
0: yeah Um, Yeah, like the the aesthetics to sort of reflect that shift in in values um, I think would be would be really interesting because obviously it is also I think like even on a sort of maybe a a, a philosophical um, thread it's what is distinguishing between what's a product and what's an artwork if 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 something is super polished and there is this concern with the sort of quality of or quality in, in inverted commas of of finish is like and perhaps that is more of a product and perhaps the product and the con- and how we conceptualise product is is an issue with the consumerism that that um, is endemic in in pollution and in and in the destruction of the planet, whereas perhaps seeing. Yeah, some something yeah. I mean we're talking about like rough or whatever, but in, in, in many ways it's it's it has a elegance and it has a sort of organic quality that uh can be more more richer and more interesting as well. So I think like yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because there's been a sort of simultaneous sort of move back towards, you know, really valuing artisan handmade things, right. products, you know, whether it's uh, baking and coffee and that kind of thing yeah. or um, I think there has, that pendulum has swung away from the sort of highly valued, highly polished machine made product yeah. back to one that values um, skill and craft and that sort of thing. So it's interesting, things can happen simultaneously but not you know, necessarily marry up. But yeah, there's the The nice thing about an artwork is that it's been made by someone you know so um i I certainly always value things that are that show that hand as opposed to try and conceal it
0: thanks for letting me into your studio today. It's completely filled with different materials and different experiments it's a bit of a, a laboratory um so thanks so much and thanks for sharing um the sort of journey of that work, I think it was really, really interesting in, in bringing up some points about, about sustainability and aesthetics and also a real insight into how an artwork gets made and like the sort of, um, yeah, the sort of details behind that. So, so thank you. Thank you very much.